Good evening to you, Tim Lundy. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm good. Good, good. Yeah. Interesting so. times. I think we should start with, with Wally's, Wally's Cave. Cave. Yeah. I, I mentioned um, at the start of the show that uh, people can't head over to Wally's Cave. If you are found on that route, you will be fined, and it can go up yeah. to 5,000 rand. Yeah, apparently so. I haven't um, done the research myself, but I'm, I'm sure they will, they will find people. Why exactly can't people go there? Um, because so many people have been going there. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, nature's taking a bit of strain. So mm. the pathway is um, degraded. Um, there's a bit of erosion. And the vegetation is, is just being flattened all the time. So I think, yeah, I think they've made the right move by actually stopping people going because just too many people were going. I've got to be honest, I've never been myself. Um, I will eventually go when it reopens. <laughs> um, I've seen the photographs. It does look really nice. Mm. But um, look, Sam Parkswood will have closed it for very good reasons. So I think we have to respect the fact that they've closed it because it's for the sake of nature and for the sake of safety of, of, of hikers. Mm. And, and how long does, does a closure like this actually take place? Look, I'm not quite sure why the exact reason why they've closed it, but I, my, my feeling is by looking at aerial photographs and, and pictures that people have taken, um, that that route is very, very well worn, mm. too worn, in fact. So they more than likely what they're going to do is build in new steps um, that will be, they'll use rocks and stuff and try and keep it as natural as possible um, and just give the vegetation a chance to sort of bounce back a bit. Um, you know, often people... Well, because it gets so busy, people overtake other people and they go off the path and they don't realize that they start actually trampling the, the vegetation. Mm. And, you know, Fanboss takes a long time to, to recover, especially if there's traffic every single day mm. being trampling on it. So I think, yeah, we've just got to respect the fact that that's, they obviously feel it's, it's necessary. To be quite honest with you, I think it is very necessary. Um, Lion's Head is probably one of the well, it's the second busiest route in Cape Town and I was up there the other day with some clients and I've got to say that y you can see that even the the main path is is taking strain um, and I mean as you know I do rescue as well mm. and there are a lot of rescues on there because a lot of the um, Ryan Sands in fact today actually tweeted that he's going to be going and doing the uh, Red Bull challenge goes up to to the top and back down again and they do a time trial and I, I just messaged him I said to him look just be aware that next Wednesday it is going to be pouring with rain mm. um, and that route will become very very slippery um, it's slippery at the best of times especially where the pine trees are it can get very very dangerous how often do these um, closures happen and 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 in in recent years or for this year were there a few of, of the trails that were closed down um, some of the dangerous ones have been closed down. Um, one in the last two years that's been closed down is Slung Early Ravine, which, in my opinion, should have been closed down a long time ago. Um, it's very, very steep and very, very treacherous. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of loose rubble. There isn't a proper path anymore. Um, so, and Sandparks have put signs up to say the, the route is closed. They don't do it to try and control the mountain, they try and do it for our safety. So when people are out there, if they do see a sign where it says, don't go, please don't go, because it's for your own good. And, and the, the only sort of repercussion for that would be a fine. Yeah. Uh, um, 
I think if you find more than once or twice, I think they can even ban you from the mountain, which I think is very difficult to <laughs> enforce. How do you monitor that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you monitor that? But mm. um, yeah, no, they they are getting quite strict, and they they have to because Table Mountain and the whole peninsula is just becoming a lot busier, a lot more popular, and particularly routes like Lions Head and and Platterclip are are getting. Um, more people every single year. So one could argue maybe monitoring the amount of feet that go up would be a possible solution for actually closing the entire route down or trail down. Yeah, they. Um, I don't know if they do head counts, mm. um, but they do. They should. I mean, they should. They should find out what those numbers are. And obviously now we're going into spring, um, busy season, tourist seasons coming up. Um, and both of those routes, I would almost say w- w- with um, confidence that m- the majority of people that are using those routes now are not Cape Townians, mm. that they are foreigners. Um, and and we, we're getting more foreigners. I mean, I heard it on the radio, I think it was yesterday, that there's um, a new airline coming to Cape Town and it's they're talking about 160,000 new seats. <laughs> sure. So that's that's a lot of people that potentially could be coming to Cape Town. It just means some of them are going to be going up the mountain, which is great. I mean, the mountains are there, but um, yeah, we need to. I think Lion's Head in particular might need to be monitored at some point. Mm. Um, not to try and be the police of the mountain, but just for safety of people, because. Again, as we keep saying, people go up and they just think, well, Lion's Head's just there. It's a mountain. It's dangerous. Mm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, a lot of people do get injured. So I think they need to need to start monitoring the, the, the busier sections and, and start having – I think Sandbox do have uh, rangers that do patrol those areas mm. quite often. I mean, they have to because there are lots of people that are getting lost or people that are getting injured. Mm. It's about uh, 28 minutes to 10 o'clock. Uh, if you have any questions for Tim uh, with regards to hiking, send us an SMS 31567. Phone through 021-446-0567. Alternatively, you can also send us a tweet at Cape Talk um, or, of course, uh, at Ronaldo Schwab. And voice notes are welcome on that Cape Talk WhatsApp line if you want to send those through. Uh, tonight, we are talking about packing, essentially. Yeah, so when people go on these hikes, um, whether it be Lion's Head, whether it be um, anywhere in in Hart Bay or anywhere in the peninsula, whether you're going for a half an hour walk or whether you're going for a five or six hour walk, um, that's what you're planning. It may end up being a lot longer and you need to be prepared for that. So we have spoken packs before, but we didn't go into great detail of it. So I thought I would write a list down of of things that are essential in your backpack that people really need to have. Um, And I can tell you now that uh, the majority of people that I walk past on the mountain, if I had to stop them and say, look, bag inspection, (laughs) a lot of the stuff I'm going to mention is not going to be in there. Mm. Um, I'm I'm taking a look at the list. I I don't even have two of those things (laughs) when I hike up anyway. So it's a bit concerning. Yeah, (laughs) it is. I hope one of them is water. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I have. That's literally yeah. all I have. And I don't even, yeah, that's all I have. <laughs> well, let me put you into a scenario then that you, 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 you go up the mountain. Let's say you just go up Platter Club mm. um, and you're planning on bringing the cable car down. 
and three quarters of the way up the the cloud comes in it starts to get really cold it starts to get very windy you get to the cable station and you're told that they're closed that there's nobody there mm. and you now have one alternative and that is to walk back down the way you came back up but you're exhausted you're tired it's now seven o'clock in the evening and you don't know what to do you've got a bottle of water mm. it's not looking <laughs> good <laughs> yeah so let's talk about everything that that you think and 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 you recommend should be in that pack when you are hiking whatever that hike does look like yeah so obviously as i said um water is obviously the most important thing um the recommended amount um that all the experts say is two liters per person per person Mm. um which when you think about it that's a heck of a lot of water but no one's saying that you have to drink all two liters when you're out there but if you should need it you've got it Mm. um a very good friend of mine who went hiking with me in bonnyvale this weekend um, has a great saying, which is rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Yeah. And that is so true for all of these things that are here. There's a lot of these things that you'll probably never use. Um, I've got one of them in front of me now, which I'm going to show you just now, um, which is a snake bite kit. Um, I rather have it and not need it mm. than need it and not have it. <laughs> if I'm out in those mountains and I get bitten by a snake, I want to know that I've You're got fine. a fighting chance. Mm. It's not going to solve the problem, but it's going to buy me some time. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously with something like that, I imagine it's it's uh, skidding yourself into using it properly. Yes. Yeah, look, I mean, I, we, we'll run through it just now. Mm. It's, it's further down the list because it's not one of those major crucial, essential, yeah, mm. crucial things. Um, and then obviously with the water goes food. You know, um, often we have people going out there and then they, they feel weak and they, you know, they've got no energy left mm. and they've got nothing to eat. Or they go out, it's now got dark. They've got no headlamp. They've got no food. Uh, you know, things are not looking good for them. It, mm. It's just getting worse and worse for them. So the kind of food that you should really have is, is, is fruit is very good for energy. Um, energy bars, trail mix. Um, I know Clicks have got those little trail mix things. Mm. Um, I think Pick and Pay have now got them as well. A Tiger brand, I think, makes them. And it's like a mix of nuts and Nuts and fruit and stuff. Mm. And those have got huge amounts of energy in it. Um, I had one the other day. And that's all I actually ate while I was on the trail for three hours. Mm. Um, I didn't at any stage feel hungry to, to eat anything else. So it's, it's really good for, for that kind of thing. Um, and then cold meats. I always love taking cold meats. It's like a real treat when I'm on the mountain. If I've had a briar the night before, just take some of those cold meats and put them in a container and then have them when I'm up at the top. And, and maybe I'm just being very nitpicky. What happens if it's an extremely hot day and it's with something like cold meat, I imagine... You were not hiking that long. <laughs> I just hiking. answered myself. <laughs> Scrap that question. <laughs> well, yeah, sandwiches as well. I also like to take sandwiches. Mm. Um, and I normally, I get a bit lazy. I'm, <laughs> I stuff at the engine garage and grab myself one of those ready-made ones because they're packaged as well. So mm. I don't need to worry about that. Biltong sauce is a nice one. The problem is don't have too much biltong because it will make you thirsty. Mm. And you don't want, then you start taking more water than you actually really need to. So you can end up being dehydrated because of it. Um, and that would also speak to something like salted nuts rather. Not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have, you know, 50 grams of, and you can buy packets with they're 50 grams. Yeah. That's more than enough. Um, that'll get you through, through a trip. But I'm not saying take just the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> take, take 
uh, you know, a variety of things. I mean, you, ideally, you should have enough food, um, yeah, for, for two meals. Mm. So one that you're going to be eating, and then sort of an emergency meal that should you need it. Mm. Um, that that could could you help you out? I mean, when you finish the trail, you get home, you can just take it out, put it back in the fridge, or put it back in the cupboard, or whatever it is. But rather, again, have it and not need it. Yeah. Um, and then moving on to uh, clothing, your rain jacket, um, definitely one of those things that you leave in your in your rucksack. Um, it never leaves unless it's raining. So that's the only time you put it on when you're finished, dry it out, and then put it back again. Mm. Um, there's so many times where it's been beautiful and sunny, and yeah, within 45 minutes it can turn. And all of a sudden, you're in a short and shorts and t-shirt, <laughs> and it's pouring with rain. Mm. You know, hypothermia is not a not a joke. So yeah, rain jacket is always one of those things that should always stay in your in your in your pack. Um, ra- rain pants. What are those? So they they're like rain. It's like a rain jacket, but it's for your for your pants. pants. Yeah. The only problem that I find with them is a they can be very very expensive, and b. The the ones that I've got um, are only really used when when it's really pouring down with rain, um, because they because they're waterproof and you're walking all the time. You, you're generating a lot of heat. Mm. You start to sweat because there's no way of any moisture getting out. So of course you end up with very wet pants, <laughs> <laughs> not because of the rain, but because you've been sweating so much. Mm. So. I only ever use them when it's absolutely bucketing down. Mm. Um, you know, if it's a light rain, then I don't bother taking them out. I just I leave them. in. the pants that I've got are hiking pants, so they they do dry and are breathable quite quite easy. Yeah. So, it's it's about twenty minutes uh, to ten o'clock. Uh, the number to phone through to studio is zero two one four four six zero five six seven. We have Colleen on the line from Greenpoint. Good evening, Colleen. Hi there. Hi, uh, yeah, and to your guests, thank you so much for all the practical advice. It's uh, so amazing because you don't think of all these things when you go hiking. Yeah. So, yeah, good to keep in mind. What I would like to know is, um, I'm a temporary resident of Cape Town, and uh, just a recently soon incorporated hiking enthusiast, mm-hmm. um, but I have limited time over in Cape Town. So, according to your guest, what would it sounds like you've hiked the most amazing places, what would your like top three list be of what I need to do, excluding like the 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 table mountain routes that that we do? Mm. What 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 is the best experiences that you've had on hiking? What do I need to do before I go back? Before I leave Cape Town? Um, yeah, the, the, one of the the routes um, that comes to mind straight away is Chapman's Peak. Um, you can go on Chapman's Peak Drive and you can get a day pass, and then when you get to where the the guy checks your ticket. There's a parking bay on the left, and that's where the route starts. Okay. And you can go up. Um, it's about a three-hour hike. Um, with do it on a really sunny day where, where it's nice and uh, clear because the views are spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, Nordic Peak, which is in uh, Silvermine. Oh yes, I've done that one. It's beautiful. Yes, yeah, no. So it's a it's a fantastic. Elephant's Eye Cave is also a very good. Yes. On, on the other side. Um, Most definitely, highly recommended, and so surprising. You you don't know what to expect, and once you get there, you're just like blown away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Cork Bay Caves is always a good one as well. Oh, 
wonderful. I haven't even heard of that one. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, there's, um, I think it's 67 caves in total, but I wouldn't recommend going into all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and and get get um, a book that will have um, the, the, the walk description in it, because it can, you can get lost quite easily without it. So that's Cork Bay, you said? Cork Bay Caves, yeah. Okay, called Bay Caves. And, and the, is there any any kind of nice website that you could recommend? Um, I'm thinking of websites. I'm always searching on the web, but then I'm thinking from a practical perspective, where do I park, you know, for all these things? Is there a website that guides me to to these practicalities? How long does it take? Where do I park? Uh, do I need to take someone with me? Can I hike alone? I would never hike alone. That's, yeah, definitely, okay. definitely never hike alone um, for many reasons. Um safety in in terms of uh dodgy people on the mountain to mm. if something should happen to you you've got nobody to to help you out um one of the things that i was going to mention i'll mention it now is there's a group called hikers network um which you can join i don't know if you're on twitter but it's at safety mountain yeah. um and safety they, mountain okay yeah, they've they've um got a fantastic tracking um thing on whatsapp that they they've got um experts that will basically help you from the time that you start to the time that you finish and all you do is you you check in and then you check out if you go onto the website at hikers network all the details yeah. all the details will be there oh that sounds good hikers network hikers network mm. yeah Fantastic. Thank you so much. No problem at all. And very, very interesting. And a good show, Mr. Standin. Yeah. Thanks so very much. Good show. Thanks so much, Colleen. Thank you. Okay. Keep well, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, if you have any questions for Tim Lundy, uh, you can also send us an SMS 31567 uh, or, uh, or voice notes and text messages um, on that WhatsApp line 072 567 1567. We have an SMS, Tim, asking. Are there any ghosts on Table Mountain and other mountains in Cape Town? <laughs> Are there any ghosts? <laughs> Did you see any? You know, any? funny you should actually say that. My father once was walking on Smuts Track. And, well, he was walking alone, which, again, was one of those things that you shouldn't do and was one of his rules that you shouldn't do, but he did. And it, the, the mist was really, really thick. And he swore until the day that he died that on that day, in the most foul weather, he hadn't passed a single person. And out of the mist came this person that looked like smuts. <laughs> and then just asked him some random question and then bid him farewell and, and disappeared. So that's the only sort of ghost story I know of. Um, but was, you've never experienced anything. I've never song. experienced anything like it. Um, I've, I, yeah, I mean, I have <laughs> felt that sometimes there's somebody behind me, which is quite a creepy feeling when you're on the mountain. Mm. Um, but no, I've never. So how often do you actually hike alone? Who, me? Yes. Uh, I try not to ever <laughs> <laughs> anymore. Um, years ago I did, but, mm. um, as time has gone on and, you know, muggings have become more of a thing and being part of mountain rescue, you, I get to see the, the unfortunate side of when people do go hiking alone and things go wrong. Mm. So it's a big wake-up call not to go hiking alone. Mm. 
but let's get back into into that list. We're talking mm. about what you should pack. Uh, we mentioned uh, the water, the food, energy bars, um, and and biltong and sandwiches. We were talking about rain pants and rain jackets. Yeah. So then a, a, a warm top or a fleece. Um, fleeces are actually quite good because when they do get wet, they do dry off relatively quickly, um, and they can be quite light as well. Um, but you've got to be careful not to get the really, really cheap ones because they they don't keep you as warm. Um, I've got two that are quite thin when when you when you feel them, and um, when it rains or when when it's windy, they really they're not really great windbreakers. Mm. Um, and then yeah, so cap is um, or full brim hat is a definite must. You know, with a Cape Town sun it. It can you can get burnt very very quickly. Mm. That's one of those lessons I I don't seem to learn very much. <laughs> <laughs> I do always walk with a cap, but um, the next one would be um, sunscreen. Yes, um, and it's weird how people always forget this. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things that also should just stay in your backpack, mm. whether it's winter or not. You know, the sun can come out, and within half an hour you can be quite badly burnt. Um, I always find the back of my neck and back of my ears and my arms get get burned quite badly mm. if I don't have the sunscreen. Um, and then I'd I'd sent out to a bunch of friends. I said to them, look, what, what other sort of things am I missing that maybe they could suggest? And one of them came up with gloves. Um, and, yeah, gloves, again, one of those things that will sit in your backpack. It's more for winter. But, again, if you're stuck out at night and the temperature drops, Trust me, the first things are going to get really cold as your hands. Yeah. It makes a big difference when your hands are in gloves. And many times you'll probably have to use your hands, so you keeping your hands in your pocket isn't really an option. Yeah, exactly. Um, unfortunately, yeah, if it's pouring with rain, then gloves are not going to be... <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they just get soaking wet. Mm. But, um, yeah, I'd rather have them. And then um, waterproof bag lining. There are quite a few now on the market where you can put all your contents, like your cell phone or anything that you don't want to get wet, you can actually put it inside what looks like a sleeping bag, um, bag, Mm. but it's totally waterproof. And you seal it up and you can then stick that inside your bag. Um, It's also good that when you want to get stuff out, you just pull that whole bag out and everything is is there. Yeah. So it's much easier to to get to. And then on the emergency gear side, obviously um, one of the things that I didn't have for years and I've now used in the last couple of years, I've used a lot when I'm on rescues, is a whistle. Um, you know, when, when people get lost or you're trying to contact somebody, shouting and screaming in the mountains, almost pointless. Mm. You know, if there's a bit of a wind, they're just not going to hear you. Whereas if you've got a whistle, that, that pitch carries quite far. Um, so, and it's light, it's simple, and it's again just one of those things that can sit in your backpack. Some of the backpacks actually come with a whistle built yeah. in now, which is great, and some of the rain jackets as well. And then um, basic first aid. Um, a lot of the shops now have these pre made first aid kits, and they're, they're pretty basic, but they'll do the job. They'll, they'll stop a, a nasty gash or they've got plasters. Mm. Um, you, you're certainly not going to do any surgery while you're there, <laughs> but it's just enough to get you off the mountain safely. And I've seen a few of these um, small first aid kits, so it isn't a, a massive yeah, box they, they, that you're yeah. carrying up the mountain. They've they've tried to make it as compact and light as possible, mm. but essentials um, as possible. And then the one thing that I was going to show you, which is the snake bite kit, which is obviously not totally essential, but if 
you know, if you're serious about hiking and you you do hiking every week, mm. I would highly recommend having having this with you. Um, it looks like a, a syringe. Let me just take it out for you and just show you quickly so that you can actually have a look and see what it looks like. So you can see it looks like a syringe, yeah. and then when you push you push down on the plunger, it actually mm. sucks. Oh, uh, so it physically extracts. Yeah, so it physically you put it over the bite, and then you do that, and you can see how it it actually sucks the skin back up again. And that will my my father had that happen, um, probably about twenty five years ago. He was on the mountain, funnily enough, by himself yet again. <laughs> <laughs> um, a snake bit him. And mm. he thinks it was either Puffetta or a Burgatter mm. based on the symptoms that he was having. But within the first five minutes, he got his snake bite kit out um, and sucked the venom back out the two holes that were in his leg. Mm. And he then got off the mountain, went to the doctor, and the doctor looked at him and said, well, I don't quite know what you want me to do because by this stage, it had been in over an hour. He should have started to show some so, sort of symptoms. Yeah. And he wasn't. And he said, well, I can't treat you if you're not showing any symptoms. Because I don't know what to treat. Because different snakes can give you different bites and, and different symptoms. symptoms yeah. Uh, we have to uh, take this call from, from Gerald from Clifton. Good evening, Gerald. How are you doing? Good evening. I'm well, thank you. Uh, just a tip. I'm not a seasoned hiker, but I'm a, I've been running for many years. And I knew your dad. Okay. Not your dad. Tim, dad, he used to. Yeah. yeah we were, photography-wise, we were quite reasonably, reasonably friendly. Acquainted, I would say. But uh, just a tip that... Have a have a, a sort of a, a shot list of the stuff that you have to take with whenever you go hiking. Print it out, have it laminated, and keep it in your rucksack mm. so that when you prepare to go for a hike, you've got a list of all the stuff you should take. So you have to keep trying to remember from the last hike absolutely. what you should take with. Yeah, absolutely. That's just a just a permanent sort of list in your in your rucksack. Mm. Yeah. But That's thanks very much. Interesting. Very interesting chat. Thanks, right. thanks so much, Gerald. Thank you. Um, okay. Something like that being extremely practical also, and, and like he mentioned, you can just also clip that onto your bag, yeah, and laminate it, and, and you sort of tick that off every time before you head into the mountain. Yeah. Look, I mean, if, if you do hike at least once a week or once every two weeks, after a while it does actually become second nature. Mm. Um, you sort of go through your pack and check the side pockets, and everything has its sort of compartment where it should be. Um, but a laminated list is definitely a, a fantastic idea. I've got one for when I do weekend trails, mainly because there's just way more stuff that you have to, <laughs> and I just can't remember half of it. Mm. Um, so yeah, a laminated list is definitely a, a great idea. Mm. Um, yeah, and then just going down the list here. So yeah, so a multi tool. Is also a fantastic thing to have. I've I've got a I've got two multi tools in in both my my separate backpacks. So what are those? So it's like a Swiss Army knife, or um, oh, mm. you know, you you can use use it for all sorts of things. Different purposes. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean they've got tweezers, they've got pliers, they've got whatever mm. sort of instruments that you need. Knife. Um, you've even got a little saw on it if if you need to cut up firewood or whatever. Mm. Um, but it's a great tool to have that's in your backpack. I've got one that's actually got a flint on it as well um, so that you can, in case of an emergency, mm. start a fire if you need to, a controlled fire. <laughs> not, yes. not one to start to see the mountain a lot. Um, yeah, and then one of the things that um, a friend of mine, Mike, that I, I learned, um, and I've, funny enough, when I started taking it, I've, I've now used it twice, which is duct tape. 
like, why did you use it? I saw it on the list, and, and that's actually where I wanted to start. How, what, why? So duct tape has all sorts of uses. If your backpack tears, you can mm. patch it up. Um, it can act as a plaster as well if you don't have any plasters. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's multi-purpose. It, it's incredibly strong. The the two occasions that I've had to use, and the one was about three months ago, um, somebody's shoe had, the, the sole had started to come away. And we were at the top of Platterclub. On a Platterclub at uh, Castile's Port. Mm. And we had to get to the bottom of the mountain. And this shoe just wasn't going to make another 100 meters. Duct taped it up, and the guy made it to the bottom of the mountain. I mean, his shoe looked ridiculous, but he got to the bottom of the mountain safely. <laughs> <laughs> so mm. the duct tape, and, and I've had a guy where I duct taped both of his shoes on a trail, and we had another, I think, three hours of hiking. The only thing that was left in one piece when he got to the bottom was the duct tape. <laughs> the rest of the boots were completely destroyed. Mm. Both the soles had completely, the glue had just wasted away. I mean, in all fairness, the shoes were 13 years old. But I think that's <laughs> actually the problem. <laughs> it's time for new shoes. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, cable ties as well is one of those things as well. Also, in, if you don't have duct tape, cable ties I've seen being used also to just hold things shoes together. together. Mm. Um, and they're very light. They're, they're very, very handy to, to have, um, you know, if straps break or whatever. You can just use them. It's not, not a permanent fix. It's just while you're on the mountain. Mm. To get you get you off the mountain, I, I see there's a there's a hiking stick on on the Celeste. Yes, is it is it just for specific trails? One one will actually walk or climb, and and where does one get a hiking stick? Is it physically a stick or can it, one? Well, it, it yeah, they've become quite um, advanced now. I've got one that actually folds up into three pieces um, and f- sits permanently in my backpack. Mm. Incredibly light. Um, I don't use it. Um, I used to use a hiking stick. Um, and about five years ago, I was hiking up um, Landadna Ravine, and I got to the top. And I'd been warning these guys it was a very dangerous route up, and please be careful. And I took three steps at the top, and I sprained my ankle. And two weeks later, I then tore three ligaments in my other ankle. And when I went to the biokineticist, I said to him, look, this is, I've, this is what's happened. And he said to me, by any chance you hike with a hiking stick? So I said, yeah, funny enough, I do. And he said, let me guess, on the day that you sprained your ankle on the mountain, you weren't walking you with weren't it. You weren't walking with it. Because <laughs> he said to me, you've been walking with it for three years. So all that's happened is the hiking stick has taken over from your ankles. Yeah. And what's happened in three years is that your ankles have got weaker and weaker. It's not to say that hiking sticks are bad. I'm just, thankfully, too young to have one. <laughs> so he said so to me, in later years, it, yeah, he d- said, later years, definitely use it reintroduce it mm. yeah and i mean I, I i carry mine because and i've given it to other people that you know they've they've got a they've twisted the ankle a little yeah. bit then it helps um so it's, it's also one of those things that it is very good to to have with you um should you need it or even if you've yeah if you, you're just feeling like you need mm. that little extra bit of support um hiking stick is is very good Mm. Uh, with a few minutes left, uh, let's quickly run through the rest of the things in this emergency gear kit that mm. you would recommend. So a compass, um, but unfortunately a compass is not really any use if you don't know where you are and, <laughs> yeah. and you have no idea. I think a map would be better. So a map would yeah. go well with, with that. Um, and I always tell people, rather take a map with you, especially if you're going with people who don't know. Mm. So if you do become unconscious for whatever reason, they can then have a look at that map and figure out exactly where the heck you all are. Um, so it's always good to to have a map 
even if you know the, the area really, really well. Mm. Um, you should always have a map with you. Um, one of the non-real essentials is GPS. Um, the reason for that is because they can be unreliable. The, you know, the battery can die. The satellite um, uh, reception is yeah. not so great. Um, so it kind of tells you, you you're standing on the side of a cliff when you're actually 200 mm. meters away from it. Um, two-way radios is another thing that I use quite a lot when I do hiking trails where I've got large groups of people. Um, it's just because nobody walks at the same speed. And it's very difficult to try and control a group when there are 15 people and, and the, the guy in front is so half a kilometer ahead of you. You can't exactly yeah. tell him to slow down. So you just get onto the radio and just communicate you that can way. communicate and you can control i find i can control the group much much mm. easier that way obviously cell phone is one of those things that everybody has um and and there's all sorts of apps and stuff that you can use on that um a charging bank definitely yes yeah if you've got a smartphone get a charging bank <laughs> otherwise you're gonna run into all sorts of because problems. people do want to take pictures on their phones as well so the battery life yeah goes like that no exactly and if you're going to be using gps on the phone that'll just absolutely destroy your battery mm. Um, so charging bank is definitely one of those things that you have to have. Um, one of the things that I um, now have in all my backpacks, I've got a rescue pack, a trail pack, and a, and a day pack, is headlamps. Mm. Um, before I joined, being, well, before I became a, a guide, I'd never done any night hiking. And if you've never done night hiking before, trust me, day walking and night hiking are two very, very different things. Same path totally different experience mm. um and it can be, you know the stakes are completely different it, it's it can be very very challenging um very difficult sometimes to get used to because your world is only a meter and a half wide mm. you know arc wherever your head turns <laughs> that's, that's the light <laughs> Um, on that note, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to wrap this up. Uh, we can actually speak about this uh, for another half an hour. Yeah. But it's been lovely having you in studio. 